you're all thinking, where's his Bible? Um, actually, you're thinking, man, I wish I could have it to do over again. I would, I would love to ring the bell. And some of you will have to just wait. Um, they didn't. They didn't put the thing to grab my bell, so I'm not sure if I should stick it in my pocket because I move around a lot, and that might be a problem for you on live stream this morning. But what a great thing, man! That just does my heart good. I want to close in prayer and say we just had church, y'all. That was that was really cool. So, uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you, thank you, thank you for coming into our world. We know what our world is like. And we are absolutely certain you do as well. Uh, Yet you came. You made a choice to change this world one heart at a time. And I thank you that I'm uh, in that group of people that uh, met you. And it went way beyond just a a baby at Christmas, it was a, it was a brand new me because of you. So I pray for people that are in this house today that may not uh, have gone that next step and said, boy, bring it, Lord, change me. And those that are watching from some other location, Lord, make this a day where they are experiencing you right where they're at. And um, thank you for... Uh, letting us celebrate you. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Um, <clears throat> I've uh, decided this month to kind of uh, step aside from our series that is a verse-by-verse study in uh, the book of Acts. Your Bible calls it the Acts of the Apostles, and correctly so. We have uh, humbly sort of renamed it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and Many of us are experiencing really profound touches that I think God intends for us to have because indeed all that Acts contains, 26 chapters. um, Anybody going to stop me now? There we go, 28 chapters. There we go, I even like that better, 29 chapters. We are the 29th chapter, right? Uh, the church continues to, to, to live and thrive and impact lives, which is why he built this church uh, in every church that names Jesus as its Lord. Um, so that'll come back in uh, actually the first, second Sunday in January. So uh, we'll have a special standalone Sunday on uh, New Year's Day. So uh, hopefully you'll be a part of that as well. But for this month, I thought, you know, Let's talk about some things that come into focus. Maybe better this time of year than others, mostly because our need is greater, I think, at least more felt this time of year than at other times uh, in most people's sort of year experience. And that is, uh, let's talk about things like last week, true peace. What does that look like and where can it be found? We know about peace, you know, and lots of stuff about that, but where can true peace, which has a personal flair to it, doesn't it? And that's why today is, I think, uh, you know, I I sometimes describe God as having an exclusive lock 
on certain things. Like if you said hope, the Bible, I would quote Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of, what did you say? All hope, all hope cause you to be filled with joy and peace in believing so that you can abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a takeaway. That's a keeper. I want that kind of hope. Today we're going to talk about joy. And uh, as I was thinking about my uh, sermon today, the message that uh, I'd like to share with you, I was, I was thinking about an experience Debbie and I had a long time ago when we were in um, Eastern Europe, and uh, we were in actually Czechoslovakia, which is modern day the Czech Republic. This is way back in 1991. And we, we just fell in love. We, we came to know it as the city of spires. And there's the, uh, the, the beautiful bridges and buildings and really cool things. But we came around a corner, and of course, we knew we were standing in the sort of vicinity of uh, not only the parliament building, but the palace, the presidential palace. And I remember taking it in and uh, Vaclav Havel was the president in that day, and uh, there's guards there, uh, maybe Buckingham Palace kind of century-looking guys standing in front of uh, this building. And so I asked one of them, I said, you know, is the, uh, may I ask you, sir, do you speak English? And he did, and I said, uh, is, is the president in the building? And I was, I was pointing at the building behind him, and he turned and looked at the building and turned quickly back and said, yes, he is. The flag is flying. And I said, what does that mean? He says, well, the fact is, whenever the president is in the palace, the flag flies. And then I read these words this week about joy. Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of the Christian heart, announcing that the king is in residence today. <laughs> whoa. That's why your reaction's kind of like mine. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, the king's in the castle. I'm going to confess on the front end, not to spoil this moment, but there are times when I don't, um, I don't think the flag, it's at half-mast in my life. <laughs> you get me? Maybe sometimes the flag's not even on the pole. You know, I've had a few of those recently. <laughs> um, but, but I want to talk about the flag of joy. And if it's not flying on your heart, I want to talk about how it can, how that can actually change today, okay? So to that end, uh, let me take you to a song that I think we all love to sing, Joy to the World. Um, and it's not a song we're going to sing today, but did you, did you know that that song that we sing this time of year, and by the way, I should tempt you with this, next Saturday is Christmas Eve, and at 3.30, uh, I want to invite you to join us here for a wonderful Christmas Eve gathering. If you've ever been to one at Grace Point, you won't forget it. They're really cool. And you who are joining live stream, join us there. It will be a live stream service. And we, we, we look forward to a great time. Um, and we're going to sing Joy to the World because it really fits really well. The Lord has come. So we're going to sing it on Christmas Eve. Uh, but it's way more Joy to the World than a sentimental song. 
that we sing this time of year, Christmas season. Did you know that it's actually a song that's rooted in words, found in the Bible, that were actually spoken by an angel long before they were sung by choirs or congregations? Did you know that? Some of you do. Some are going, huh, I'm kind of curious. You got me hooked. Well, good. Turn to Luke chapter 2, and let me show you what I'm talking about, okay? It's the so-called birth narrative. Um, There are actually, if you're new to the Bible, there are four Gospels that tell us uh, the very reliable information about Jesus Christ. Two of the four, Matthew and Luke, actually spend time at the scene of his birth. So today, this morning, we're going to look at chapter 2 and the telling of that. Now, while reading this this week again, I've lost count how many times, I, I have a sort of a fresh connection that came to me about joy and the good news announced by the angel to shepherds near Bethlehem. I said that slowly and with sort of deliberate pause because you've got to take it in. These words were spoken by an angel to shepherds who were watching their flocks near Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem, about eight miles or less. So, um, and I want to describe what came together as a connection for me. And if you're writing something down, by the way, I've been asked again, are there no note pages? Part of the reason for that is I just want you to get it. I just want you to embrace it and not take notes and make it something about information, but rather something about transformation. That's kind of my thinking. They'll be back in January, but uh, for now. Um, This is the connection. So if you want to write something down, this would be a good thing. True joy. We're not talking about temporary joy. We're talking about the permanent kind. True joy is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? So we can debate whether you agree with my premise, but you're going to see it spoken in Scripture. So true joy, the permanent kind, is only something you can embrace, something that can be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, now we're ready Chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria up in the northeast. And everyone went to their own town as required to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth up in the Galilee region, that's north in Israel, to Judea down south and in particular, Bethlehem, which was the town of David because he belonged to the house, that is, Joseph belonged to the house and to the line of David. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she laid, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, no, 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 don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you to cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those upon whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. How many think they've read this 50 times? How about 100? I, how about this Christmas? How many have read it more than once already? I was at a wonderful gathering here yesterday with, filled with song and, and, uh, and uh, script. Uh, from the perspective of every player at the scene of his birth. This is just great. And then it connected to us. It was really excellent. So that was another time this was read, part of it. And um, I think I'm in around uh, the fifth time. And we're still a week from Christmas. As one of the little children told me on the way in, you know there's seven days until Christmas? <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Um, and, of course, I said, no, tell me about Oh, and boy, was that a launch into lots, lots of detail. So, um, but in spite of, if you're the 50 hands that went up or the 100 or more or just a few, um, this is something that surfaced for me and I think it'll surface for you as we reflect on this scene. First, I noticed a weird word here, fear in the shepherds. So let's take it in. Shepherds are doing their job and it's nighttime, okay? So they do a kind of a brave job anyway, right? They're used to, you know, keeping prey animals away from eating sheep and uh, maybe thieves away from stealing sheep. So they're out there, and um, they don't have automatic weapons and things. They got uh, staffs and, um, you know, ways to chase off bad things, but my point is they're kind of familiar with being alone and dark. Uh, but what stands out to me is not only were they uh, fearful, um, there are two words that are, are described for us in verses 9 and 10. They were terrified, a descriptive word at the end of verse 9, and then the angel, not to miss a moment, says to them, don't be afraid. So you got these people that are just kind of out there doing their thing. And those two words, terrified and fearful, describe the sudden moment for the shepherds that night. Uh, not unlike our experience today, there are a lot of us that are living just normal lives. 
you kind of go about your business, you go to work, some of you school until the next two weeks. Um, So you're used to kind of doing normal life. And then something interrupts normal for you. That's the shepherds that night. And, And it's unexpected news. Giving you a moment to take something into your from your memory into your mind right now. It's unexpected news, and uh, and it can come a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's a phone call, and uh, sometimes it's a doctor visit. And you were just doing fine, and then oh, terror just came like a a, a, a category five hurricane. Or maybe you were witness to a head-on collision like I was two weeks ago. I mean, it literally happened to the car in front of me. I, I was just like, and uh, yeah, just a moment that I was just thinking about Debbie and going by my dad's and, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, and I mean, airbags and curtain bags and, you know, I suddenly I'm, I'm in a rescue scene and part of it, it was, it was, it was like, uh, something hit me, and I couldn't not do something, and I called out for a knife to cut the guy out of his airbags that was smoking and all this stuff. But I, my point in telling you that is not to make me a hero, is to go, you know, I did not expect that. And and there was a moment that uh, somehow got kicked to the curb in my spirit of fear. It was just this moment of do something. Maybe it's something like that for you. You're normal, and then it's not normal. Only on that night, the angel, and let me just say I pretty much am certain it's Gabriel, but you might have your own pick. Uh, He made an announcement to the shepherds, and his words changed terror to joy. Um, how do you respond to surprising um, news? And if it was followed by joyful news, what did that do inside you? Um, Were you stuck on the scene that you just, or was there this relief and joy that quickly replaced that? Don't know. Maybe it has to do with your own view of life. Maybe it's a thing about uh, you, you tend to be a, a person that's too skeptical. Maybe, can I use the word respectfully, cynical. You know it's not going to last. Yeah, joyful, yeah, joyful, joyful, yeah, whatever. Doesn't last. And you can even tell stories of how it got chased away by some, some other phone call or whatever it was. Um, maybe, um, maybe that's you, thinking that there's just no way that what we just read, good news of great joy for all people, it was there, I read it, includes you. Are you that kind of person? Yeah, that's good. I know some people I can point to them. You're having a great time of your life. Somehow that bus took off without me or that boat sailing without me on it. 
Or is your reaction more personal? I've thought about you. I've thought about why I had a hold up and a hold back. Um, because I'm the kind of guy that needs to check boxes. If I got 10 boxes, um, and I need to do those before I can join Debbie watching a football game and watching the Beavers win uh, the bowl game. Um, it's hard for me to go from duty, 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 detail, 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 and then uh, bef before I jump into joy. Is that you? Maybe some of yours is actually a collection of clutter. It's, it's actually stuff like, well, I'll get there if. I made a list of if. You ready? See if the Holy Spirit's talking to me about you. I don't know. He, he's speaking to me about me for sure. Um, but you have a pessimism that says, no, no, I can't do joy. Got too much in the way. If only I had more money, then I could get there. If only I had a better job. Is that one that you've played a few times? I don't know. If, if only I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You see others that do, and they just seem to be living the perfect life. You know, no trouble there. Or if only I was married. <laughs> Guess I, to be honest, if only I was single. I don't know. Some of you are there. I'm just being honest. I'm glad I'm married, for the record. I didn't mean that for me. So um, here's one. If only I was smarter or stronger or more talented or more gifted. Do you hear the more in that sentence? You, you might have something that's, that's like what you see in the mirror. If only I was a, a more handsome guy or a prettier woman. What if those things never come about? Because in my setup here, I think they hold joy hostage, don't they? I mean, I'm thinking they do. Do you really think, if that's true, that God has chosen you to be joyless? I got stuck on this point. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, now, and so listen to me, because this is what came through. True joy isn't dependent on any of those ifs. Any of our, we would say today, our circumstances. Not one of them, and I looked again and again, was ever mentioned by the angel. So what is mentioned by the angel? Would you write this down? Great joy comes from great news, verse 10. That's what verse 10 is saying. Good news is what makes great joy possible. A Savior, verse 11, tells us what the good news is. A Savior has been born to you. Um, that's probably a point that uh, the Bible spends more time on than just about any other theme. In fact, I'm sure of it. 
the fact that a Savior was born for humanity. And it was never meant to be anything but life-changing. Stay with me. John's words are famous. Chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. The very next verse. For God did not, he tells us what he didn't send his son into the world to do. He did not come into the world, was not sent in the world to condemn the world. They're pretty good at doing that themselves. Right? Isn't that the truth? We don't need help wrecking this place. I'm sorry, I know it's, it's, it's those people out there. Or your point, you're thinking of other people. And frankly, there are some people I can point to. But uh, somewhere in there, I've got to point to me. I've, got, I've, I've messed up. I've fumbled badly. I'm pretty sure I'm in good company. Right? We're together on this. And so... Good news for me and good news for you. He did not come, the, the one that was sent by God did not come into the world to get me in a headlock, do a noogie, and kick me to the curb. He didn't do that to condemn me, but to save Steve through him. Now, God took action to address something. And I'm going to call it the deepest and darkest concern facing humans uh, in that day and in our day, in your day, in my day, okay? Um, and this, the, the deepest and darkest problem, three-letter word, sin. It's sin. Uh, now, here's the deal. His coming was not to condemn the world, which, by the way, would be, would, would be bad news. Is that right? So you messed up, and he came to condemn you for doing that. That's my simple logic here in those words in John 3, 16 and 17. No, that's not the deal. That's bad news. But he came to save sinners, which is why, which is why it's called good news good news. And it's linked to great joy. And now we're making a great connection between good news and what I'm calling today true joy. The lasting kind. Jesus coming did something for sinners like me and like you. And, and Paul talked about it, Peter talked about it, the Bible talks about it. He came to earth to save us. Uh, let me ask you the question. New faces with us today, many new faces joining us elsewhere. Have you been saved? Uh, I'm not, there's a reason, I'll get to why I have to ask that to a room full of people that have been in church for a long, long time. Have you been saved? 
if you haven't, because you thought it works for some, what I was getting to earlier, but <laughs> Pastor, with all due respect, you don't know my story. And <clears throat> if that's what you're thinking, let me say something to you. You would be right and wrong. You're right, I don't know your story. I have a friend that's with the Lord now, but he and I shared assessments of humanity. We had seen so much of it uh, that people are not as they appear to be. And that's true. 100% true of every person. Not that all about them is, is like this dark secret, but every single person I've ever met has a story that's not known and not talked about and not told. It's kind of safe if you want to put that in quotes. That's a good thing to do. It's kind of safe in that closet and sealed away. It's kind of like uh, the JFK, you know, the, the files on the assassination of JFK. They kept those sealed. I don't know. I'm not real interested anymore, but there was a lot of interest for a long time. What are they keeping? What's the secret? That's kind of people. So when, you, when, when, when I tell you, um, you know, I, I don't know your story, it's true. I don't, and I'm sure there's more to it than what maybe some of you have told me about. Can I bring you in on a little secret? That's true of me too, okay? Um, but here's where you'd be wrong. He does know your story. And came anyway. That's huge. Stops in the hallway of your home and says, it smells in that closet that's closed off to visitors. Let's clean it out. By the way, I know what's in there. <laughs> Would you let me? That's why I came. I know your story, and that's precisely why I came. Are you hearing good news this morning, folks? Man, I'm, 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 I'm getting this. I, I love it. For this reason, true joy is offered to all. Because good news is announced to all. Would you look back at verse 10? I want to read it a second time. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for a few people. For the good ones. For y'all who've got all your closets cleaned out. For the, for the ones that got nothing in secret hiding anywhere in your life. No. He just says a sweeping statement for all people. That says to us, true joy isn't the privilege of a particular few. The me and you, the holy huddle. Quit. Uh, the angel didn't announce good news of great joy for some. He didn't say it that way. For who? For who? For all, including you and you 
you're, some of you are saying, well, then why are you frowning and getting all ticked off? I'm not. I'm not, okay? It's just a speech calm, okay? So I'm trying to convey a thought with definite meaning that he came for all. The good news is intended for all people. So many pauses today on purpose. Some of you are saying this right now. Okay, I get it. But is there a catch? A condition? Perceptive of you, because the answer is absolutely. Absolutely there is a catch. Now some of you just sat forward in your chair a little bit. That's good. So let me explain how you can have joy in the next couple of minutes, then we're done. You can have true permanent joy. It's the main point of my message that the Holy Spirit gave me. I said it earlier. Let me repeat it. True joy, the permanent kind, can only be yours, can only come about through a personal relationship with the source, with Jesus Christ. Um, in short, trust Jesus and experience true joy. Joy as a result, to be very clear, of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I need to ask you, do you have that relationship with Jesus? Not a church-going habit. Not an attempt to be morally good, clean. A relationship with the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me clarify something, because I get this all the time. Do you just know about him? And that's been sort of the path you've taken. Man, I've been in church a long time. When you said earlier there's four Gospels, I knew about that. Yeah. I knew about Galilee. You mentioned that. I got Bethlehem kind of down in my mind some places. I know the story at Christmas. I'm here every year at Christmas. I even know what Easter's about. It's more than the bunny, you know, right? You think that way. There's a lot of people, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of you, A lot of people know about Jesus. Um, uh, If you know about Jesus, here's the deal. And I got bad news for a second. You won't pass the test. You can even spell his name. Some have named their children. Jesus. Jesus. My question goes deeper than that, and I think the Bible insists, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? So here's how it works. I can say I know someone. I could give you names right now of people that would make you go, whoa, he he knows that person. I'm avoiding dropping names, so don't ask me for examples. But special people, important people. I can say I know them. I don't have a clue what their 
favorite coffee is. I don't know what they do for their free time. I don't know how they live their personal life at all. Do you see how knowing them didn't get me very far? It's not really a deep thing when I say it that way. I don't know what they love, if they have a chance, a choice of dinner, what their favorite food would be, or their favorite football team would be. <laughs> Getting names thrown out, okay. Um, <clears throat> Uh, but if I tell you I have a personal relationship with someone, you would expect me to know all of those answers. You, you would expect me to tell you when their birthday is, what their, you know, um, favorite thing to do is. Jesus Christ, the one whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, will you hear me now, did not come to be a spiritual icon in anyone's life. He didn't. He is so not seasonal. He's not. And, and why do I see, here's why I'm saying that. We learned a saying in seminary called inoculating people against the gospel. How many have been vaccinated for something? Don't spell, don't even say the name COVID. I'm sick of it, okay? But we've all been vaccinated to death, right? We've had a ton of them all our lives, right? And what does vaccination do? It gives you a little something of the bad stuff, right? And then your body goes, get it. And, and then your body gets good and strong, and that thing's not going to hurt you anymore. Is that basically it? Inoculating people is a problem when you're inoculating them against Jesus Christ. How do we do that? We give them a little, $3 worth of Jesus, nothing more. We give them a little taste of the gospel, but not enough to change them. It's people that are allowed to settle for, yeah, I know something about Jesus. Come on, pastor, finish this sermon. I know something about Jesus. And if I let you leave here, you're going to go out and it's not going to work. And life's going to take you over and crush you. And you're going to come back to me. Most don't. But you're going to come back at some point and say, I tried it. I tried it. It didn't work in my case. And it breaks my heart to think that you would you would go for the head fake that a little bit of Jesus is all you need. He came for so, so much more than that. You know, in his own words, he said things like, I came to give you life and abundant, give it abundantly, John 10, 10. I came to seek and to save those who are lost, Luke 19, verse 10. I came to actually give my life as a ransom for many, Mark 10, verse 45. I came to have a relationship with you that will bring you true joy, permanent. Do you have true joy? Um, 
Don't stumble over the list that I, let, I mentioned earlier. Your if-only list. Just stop. Stop searching for the stuff of joy. <clears throat> Do you hear me? Stop searching there. Because if you get that, you're going to quit looking for true joy. Stop searching for the stuff of joy and go to the source of joy. His name is Jesus. And it's not too late for you as, uh, as it wasn't for too late for this pastor that I want to tell you about. Um, it's a memorable story told by Tim Hansel, a uh, person I know. Not really. But I read his books and heard him speak a number of times and said hello. He's with Jesus now, so he can't have coffee with me. He tells this story. An 82-year-old man wrote me not long ago. He had been a pastor for 52 years and was now struggling with skin cancer. It was so bad that he'd already had 15 operations. Besides suffering from the pain, he was so incredibly embarrassed at how the cancer had scarred his appearance, so embarrassed that he wouldn't go out at all. Then one day he was given a book I wrote entitled, You Gotta Keep Dancing. If you want a great book, read that. It's Philip Tim Hansel. In which I tell of my long struggle, he's speaking personally now, with chronic and intense pain from a near fatal climbing accident. He was this outdoor warrior and broke his back. And I remember hearing him tell the story and then seeing him wince in pain as he was trying to speak to a gathering like this. It was real. In that book, I told of the day that I realized when I realized that pain would be with me forever. If only list, pain was on his. At that moment, I made a pivotal decision. I knew that it was up to me to choose how I responded to it. So I chose joy. After reading a while, the elderly pastor reported that he put the book down thinking, this guy's crazy. I can't choose joy. You ever felt that way? So he gave up on the idea and sometime later was reading his Bible in John chapter 15, verse 11. And he read the words that said that joy is a gift, the result of a vine branch relationship with Jesus. And on that night, uh, that Jesus said those things, John 15, if you know your Bible, you know that the next morning he would be on a cross, Jesus would. But he talked about how by being connected to the vine as a branch, you can have joy. Got to go, guys. That was John 15. I'm heading to the cross in the morning. That rang a bell for this pastor. He was actually talking about true joy. Um, Jesus' own words. I told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy to overflowing. 
joy? A gift? Thought the pastor. He didn't know what to do. So he did what pastors do. He got down on his knees to pray. But then he didn't know what to pray. So then this is what he said. I said, well, then, Lord, just give me joy. His words. And suddenly, as he described it, this incredible hunk of joy came from heaven and landed flat on me. Isn't that great? I was overwhelmed, he wrote. It was like the joy talked about by Peter, that inexpressible joy in 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, I didn't know what to do, so I said, turn it on, Lord, turn it on. I want more joy. And before he knew it, he was dancing around the house. He felt so joyful that he actually felt born again, again. Ever felt that way? Yeah. I know it's bad theology. Say it. Of course you have. And this, ast this astonishing change happened to that pastor at the age of 82. <clears throat> he just had to get out. So much joy. What am I going to do with all this joy? I can't stay cooped up inside. So he went out to a local fast food res restaurant, probably In-N-Out Burger, uh, and, and he got a burger. And there's a lady standing there watching this guy kind of do a jig, you know, a dance. What's he doing? And she's seeing all this. And so she asked him, you, are you okay? <laughs> uh, it's like, it's just a burger, bro. That's all, you know, are you okay? And he said, yes, I am. Is it your birthday, she asked. No, no, honey. It's better than that. Your, your anniversary? <clears throat> no, no, better than that. Well, well, what is it? She asked excitedly. It's the true joy of Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? He asked the woman. She shrugged and answered, No, I have to work on Sundays. sad can that be? I have to work on Sunday. Folks, I have to work on Sundays too. <laughs> well, bad stuff's not going to keep me down. I got joy of Jesus because I belong to Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Incredible to me that someone could conclude joy is bound to a day of the week or a time of year where we sing joy to the world. It's crazy. True joy is only found in a personal relationship with the source of joy, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm asking you to make a choice like the man we read about, this pastor, who probably had been away from joy so long it really was being born again. But I'm asking you to make a choice. Will you hear this choice? To no longer settle for just knowing about the story of Christmas. 
to not, did you hear me, not settle, no longer settle for just knowing about the story of Christmas that leaves you, of course, charmed by the child. I want you to choose instead. It's a choice. To seek him. To find him. To follow him. And be changed by the man. Jesus Christ. He came to bring you true, permanent joy. So we come to you and Lord Jesus, some are asking you to change it up this year for them. Drop a bunch of joy on them and help them to not be able to contain it. Help them to go get lunch and have someone ask them, what's up with you? For those that know a lot about Jesus or even some about Jesus, but today you want to change that and help them know you, Jesus. I pray that they would turn to you and say, save me. You came into my world. You know my story. Please save my soul. And at that moment, would you, Lord Jesus, pour out joy on them? Cause many to say to you, give me joy, lasting joy. And may this Christmas never be thought of again the same. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for the permanent joy you've given me that is now present even in your Holy Spirit living in me. Love, joy, peace are part of the fruit of your presence living inside me, all because of you, Jesus. Amen.